Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. All right, friends. I got to tell you about my week. Some of you know a little bit about what was going on. So I'm going to turn my I'm going to turn my pulpit around here. So all I have, all I have is my Bible, okay? That's it. I, I usually have some notes and some things where the Lord's been working on my heart during the week and I have some things written down that I am excited to share. But this week was different. I, I think on Wednesday I was up to five or six pages of notes and things and thoughts that I was working on and it just all felt like, ugh, felt like me. It didn't feel like God. So I, I pitched it all and I started over on Thursday. By the end of Thursday, early Friday, I kind of got up to five or six pages of notes again, similar but different topic. And again, it felt like me. It didn't feel like Jesus. So I pitched it all again. And I literally had three pages of notes. And I came and I sat up here on this chair during the week. And I was just started praying like, Lord, I don't know what to do. What is this message supposed to be? What, what direction do you want us to go? And... I just, all I heard God was, all I heard was him saying, Jeff, do you trust me? And I sat there for two minutes. Not because I, I didn't want to just automatically say yes, but I was thinking about the implications of what would happen if I said, yes, I trust you. Because <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and your parents ask you a question and you're like, well, I know they want me to say this, but if I say this, then you kind of anticipate their next move. It's kind of like a chess game, right? So I'm sitting there thinking, well, if I tell Jesus I don't trust him because I'd rather have a whole pulpit full of notes, that's not a good direction to go. So the right answer is, yes, Jesus, I trust you. But if I say that, I have a feeling he's going to just say, well, then if you trust me, then trust me. So that's kind of where we are today. So uh, I'm not responsible for anything that happens from this point of the service on. If you have an issue, just talk to God. I'm just, I'm just teasing. So I, I want to talk about righteousness this morning. Um, and I, I have a few thoughts, but we're going to probably end up wandering a little bit and just seeing what the Holy Spirit has to say. So I think righteousness, um, I think it's a big tie-in for what we've been talking about so far. So in this series, this short series about heart conditioning, the whole purpose of this has been like, Lord, what are the things, what are the, the heart attitudes that you want to see in your children so that we will follow you in the way that you want us to follow you? Like, I don't want to brand Christianity or following Jesus in a way that makes sense to me, but I actually want the way that I follow Jesus to be what he desires from me. Does that make sense, friends? So like... It wouldn't make sense to follow Jesus in a way that we want to follow him if it actually has nothing to do with what he desires to see in us. So when we talked about hunger three weeks ago at the church picnic, hunger is an attitude of the heart that Jesus wants to see in us. When we talked about awe a few weeks ago and we see like it's good for us to be amazed by God and learn how to see him alive and powerful and active in our lives. Because if we're not amazed by him, why would we stay with him, right? And then last week we talked about love and, and how keeping God's commands is, is the only way to show that we love him. It's not a feeling or emotion, but it's actually an act of obedience. And First John 5 verse 3 taught us that, that his commands are not burdensome. Because when you're doing these things out of love, it's actually a joy and a delight. So then the only thing that I found is kind of left, and I, these are the things that the Lord put on my heart, is like, 
all those things, when you, when you pile them together and you live those things out faithfully and consistently to God, it results in a life that is considered righteous. And that's an exciting place to be. So I want to pray, and then, uh, well, I have two verses. That's literally all I got, and we're just going to see where this goes this morning. Father, we know that you are the leader of this church, and we, we just want to adhere and be devoted and dedicated to everything that you have for us. So as we talk about righteousness this morning, we just Im- invite you, Holy Spirit, to do the work in our hearts that I can't and that we can't. We, we need you more than we need anything else. We don't need uh, an eloquent message that is put together with all sorts of points and things like that. What we need, actually, is the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to change us, to desire to be like you, Father. So as we talk about righteousness this morning, I just pray that you would guide my thoughts, that you would guide our thoughts, that you would help us to consider these truths and take them to heart so that we do not just kind of mull them over for a moment and then forget them, but they would actually enter our lives in a, in a significant way so that we desire to act on these truths and live them out for the glory of God. Amen. Okay. So Matthew, I want to just start with one verse in Matthew. 6 verse 33. Because this, this has a characteristic of righteousness that I think is good for us to think about. So if you want to turn with me, you're welcome to. I'm not going to move around a a ton today. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew behind you, or in front of you, sorry. But uh, feel free to turn there. Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So when I think about the concept of what Jesus is trying to communicate to the people who are listening to him, this this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous message uh, that, that Jesus ever spoke. I wonder about righteousness here. Like, it's one thing for, for God to say, you know, pursue my kingdom. Come and follow me and, and copy me and, and desire to enter my kingdom. But when he says, seek the kingdom and righteousness, I think that those things are synonymous. I think that they're one and the same. Can, can we actually pursue the kingdom of God and desire to participate in the kingdom of God without desiring to have a life of righteousness? I think the answer is no. So, so then the question is, we need to figure out, well, what is righteousness? Because if we're being told to seek it, what is it? Well, let's just take this word righteousness and let's shrink it way down to just the word right. I think righteousness, is all it really means is it's right living. But right living according to who? Not according to me. Not even necessarily according to my parents when I'm a kid or whatever, but right living according to God. Because it's His kingdom, right? Seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So right living, good living, um, moral or ethical living, this is what righteousness is. And I mean, we talked about this kind of last week with when we say, you know, love me by keeping my commands. The commands of God are what show us what a righteous life looks like. You know, the Ten Commandments, all the, the do's and the do nots in Scripture, the, the more than 1,000 affirmative things that we're being told in the New Testament alone, these are the things that are describing for us a life of righteousness. So when I think about, 
when I think about pursuing a life of righteousness for me, I, I would have thought in my younger years that, that living a life of righteousness was something that I was doing. Because I went to church, I went to youth group, I went to Sunday school, I attended all the right things. But I, looking back now with the knowledge that I have and how the Lord has moved me in my life, I don't know if what I had back then was firm righteousness. I would say it was more foundation for righteousness. Because when, when all we're doing is attending things and being in the same physical place as other people who are learning about Christ, that in, in and of itself is not righteousness, but it is a foundation for it, right? So as we learn, as we grow, as we abide in Christ, as we spend time with Him, like it says in the Psalms, you know, your, your law is a delight to me. When we have that sort of attitude and we're pursuing Jesus and hungry for Him, that's when we start to learn about what it takes to live a righteous life. And it's exciting because I don't want to live blindly, and I don't think that you do either. So living, living this righteous life according to what God says in His Word is a discipline. Has anyone ever heard the term spiritual disciplines before? A few of us. Spiritual disciplines are, are something... No one likes the word discipline necessarily. The Bible actually says that the discipline is never pleasant in the moment. But when you learn to live a disciplined life it yields a, a harvest of righteous living. So discipline and righteousness, they have this, this relationship, right? So that's one side of the coin of righteousness. It's something that we are meant to pursue. It's something that we're meant to seek. But the other interesting thing, and you can read about this a ton in the Gospels and also in Romans, is that righteousness is not something that you and I can obtain for ourselves. It's kind, of a, it's kind of this unique relationship where we're told to seek it, but it's not actually something that you and I can lay hold of. It's also this wonderful gift. So like when we, when we know about Jesus or when we first learn about Jesus and we, we start to understand about who he is and his desires for us, that he wants to have a relationship with us and that's actually what he created us for. When we understand that and then we understand that our sin, our rebellion against God, our unrighteousness created this divide between him and us when we understand those things and then on top of that understand that only Christ could deal with our sin. We couldn't on our own, but he was the one who had to extend forgiveness and, and uh, make an amends for what we had done against him and his kingdom and make, and make us righteous again. That's how we receive it. It, righteousness isn't something only that we can pursue, but it's also something that we have to choose to receive from God. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and people of the Old Testament who lived only by the law, Jesus said to them that you can't find the answers to life by just looking at the law. He says, you have to look to me. So we see this two-sided coin of what righteousness is. It's something that we pursue, yet at the same time, it's absolutely something that we need to receive from God. And if we ever, if we go through life focusing on one of those things and not the other, I think what we're doing is shortchanging ourselves in our life. Have you ever met someone who is just, they're like such a squeaky clean Christian, it kind of makes you gag a little bit. <laughs> like they just know every Bible verse, they know everything what to do, right? But it just feels like they're almost a perfectionist, not someone who's pursuing righteousness. Do you see the difference there? Like, I don't want to be someone who pursues perfection because that means I'm relying on my understanding of what the Bible says and I'm relying on my ability to execute everything that it requires of me. 
And can I be righteous on my own? No, because that's, that's just one side of the coin. So the other, the other part where we could err on the other extreme is if we only rely on Christ to be our righteousness and then we don't pursue it on our own, what happens there? I think, I think what happens is, yes, we receive something from God, but we make it so cheap. Because in Romans it talks about this whole idea of, you know, you come to Christ, you know, and if God's grace is revealed in his forgiveness and that's a glorious thing, well, maybe we should just continue to sin because then we get to continue to see God's glory. So there's no need for us to pursue righteousness. But I don't think that's what we're supposed to do either because then we're making God's gift to us, we're making a mockery of it, right? So that's why there's, there's this necessity for two sides to righteousness, receiving it as a gift from God that's something that we could not pursue or, or obtain on our own. Yet at the same time, once we receive it, say, Lord, because of what you have done in calling me righteous through the forgiveness of my sins and the death and the resurrection of your son, now I want to pursue this righteousness even more. I don't want to stay as an infant just drinking spiritual milk. I want the food, the solid food, the meat that you want to give. I want to mature and grow into full righteousness. So there's this joy in actually not just staying at a basic understanding of who God is and operating in an infantile kind of righteousness walk, but pursuing something that's so much greater. And so I want to, I want to share another verse too. It's from Proverbs 4, verse 18. This verse has an interesting description for me of what the life that we as Christians are meant to live. Because so many times we, so many times you meet people, right? And you talk about like churches who think that we want to create disciples or something like that. And what, what people interpret that is, is we want to convert as many people to Christianity as possible. And after that, we'll just see what happens. I, I think that we need to... I think that in this verse that I'm going to read here in a moment, we need to defeat that attitude. So let, let me read that, and then we'll talk for a second here. So Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. So when I look at this verse, and this is the, this is the main one that just kind of captivated my heart this week. The path of the righteous have you ever thought that the righteous have a path? I, I, I hadn't really thought about that a whole lot until this week. The righteous have a path. And if Jesus says that the righteous have a path, I want to know what that path is, don't you? Like, I want to know what, okay, you have a path for me, Jesus? Like, what does that mean? How am I supposed to walk in that? And what does this path look like? Is it wide? Is there a lot of leeway for all sorts of decisions that I have? Or is it narrow? And I'm supposed to walk something that's far more defined than I would, you know, necessarily think. In Matthew 7, Jesus talks about another path, right? So this is, this is an interesting correlation here. He talks about how the, the road to destruction is wide. And many people will travel on it. But the path that leads to eternal life is narrow. And few people find it. What do you think? Is, is the path that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7, the narrow path that few people find, is it perhaps also the same path that the righteous are meant to follow? I, I think there's a possibility there, right? 
I mean, there's no, there's no hint in my Bible that, you know, shows uh, uh, another verse that ties into this one and it gives me a reference over there, like a cross-reference or something. I don't see that, but that was where my mind went. So when I think about this path of righteousness that God has for us, I think it's pretty specific. Not narrow as in like he gives us no freedom of choice. I don't think that's true at all. But I think it's narrow in the fact that it's got to be God's definition of righteousness and not my own. Because, man, when I stand up, when I stand up to other people, I think, that, I think that some people are intimidated by pastors. Why do I think that? Because they've told me I'm intimidated by pastors. <laughs> you know, I remember, thinking, I remember thinking when I was in grade 9, a freshman in high school, um, we had a new youth pastor that moved to our town. I've told you guys about Brad Hubert before. And, and I remember as I got to know Brad over the next couple of years of my life, I just remember thinking, like, I will never, ever, ever learn to be like Brad Hubert. I could never be a Christian like him. I could never be as good or as holy or as righteous as he is. Like, he's basically perfect. That's what I remember thinking. And some, so sometimes I think if, if that's how I thought about my youth pastor back then, and I thought, like, his version of righteousness is what I was striving for. I, I think if, if I maintained that mentality, I'd be so off the mark. Yeah, it's good. God gives us examples. He gives us leaders and mentors in our life. But I don't want anyone to pursue the version of righteousness that someone else has in their life. I want people to say, this guy or this girl loves Jesus so much that they're pursuing righteousness. I wonder what path they're on. Because that's the path that I want to be on. I don't want to be on Brad Hubert's path. I want to be on Jesus Christ's path. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I, I just wonder about this thing with righteousness sometimes because I think with righteousness, we, we compare ourselves laterally so much. It's like, oh, I can never be like my wife. She never blows her top, you know? And, and I'm, I'm this fiery redhead. Karen's not a natural redhead. That's why she never gets angry. She's blonde, okay? So that's why I get angry and she doesn't. So like, I could never be like her. But do you think that Jesus wants us to be sitting here and comparing ourselves to other people and then making ourselves unqualified or, or, or disconnected from him in any way? I don't think that's what it's all about at all. I think it's about us understanding that we're all walking the same path. That Christ has called us all to journey in the same direction. And that, that's a lifestyle of righteousness. And I think that there's things that we can learn from each other along the way, but we have to be warned that we can't look to one another and say, well, I don't measure up to Sharon or Leona or Gary, so I must not be on the path that God has called me to. You know, every single one of us, when we, when we begin life on earth, like literally as an infant, some of us are born into wonderful, God-fearing families. Where we're not just starting at the very bare basics, but we actually already have a blessing from previous generations. The Bible talks about this, where we have a history. We're born into a history or a lineage of faithful people who have lived a life of righteousness. So we're like, wow, we have such a great opportunity to not only walk on this path, but run down it and make ground quickly. But some of us are also born onto a path with a family where there has been zero evidence of Christ-fearing people in our life. And, and, and then we wonder, it's like, oh boy, how do these people even find Christ? How do they get to know Him? How do they begin to even be pointed in the right direction on this path, right? We wonder about these things. And so knowing that, 
We have, to, we have to think of two things, I think. First of all, I will never compare myself to someone else anymore. I'm, I'm thankful that I finally learned that at 39 years old because there, that is a fruitless activity. And all it does is it leads us away from relying on God and instead relying on comparisons. And the second thing is, God is faithful to every single person who chooses to embark on the path of righteousness, isn't he? If you and I make that choice, whether you're 10 steps ahead of me at the beginning of your life or not, if we all choose that path of righteousness, God is faithful. He is going to walk with anyone who embarks on that with him because he loves the people who are choosing him, right? He loves everyone and he is, he is welcoming them into this journey. So I think this ties back into the whole hunger thing. I want to hunger for righteousness and I want to hunger to endeavor down this path because I don't think I can walk on it just with Jesus dragging me along. This is something that I want in my life. And I don't want it because I want to get ahead of you. I want it because I want to walk with Jesus. And he's on this path leading me towards the Father, right? So another pathway kind of thought is Jesus says, I am the way, which is another way of saying I am the path, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone, no one comes to the Father except through me. So when we think about righteousness and the path and and Jesus and all the things that he's talked about with it, I really think that we can't ever focus too hard on Jesus. Sometimes people think, well, you know, let's let's focus on the minor prophets for a while. That's exciting. It is. But you know who the minor prophets talk about? They talk about Jesus. Okay? Well, that's good. But you know, Jeff, I have some questions about God and creation and the beginning of the world. Like, who was there before God? And all these kinds of things. But that's good. We can answer those questions. But you know what those answers are going to point us to? They're going to point us to Jesus because he was there at the beginning. It says that, let us make men and women in our own image. Who is our own image? That's Christ. Right? So, oh, Jesus is the author of life. So, you know, there's all these things that we can get distracted with where we think, well, there, here's Jesus, and then here's all these other parts of the Bible. I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. I really believe that, that Jesus is influential for every part of Scripture. And when we have Jesus as our focus, that's what leads us down this path of righteousness. Hey, a fun activity I want you to try sometime when you're at home, maybe this afternoon or, or for devotions one day for yourself. Try this. Take your Bible. Close it. And then just do, and then just read a verse and and read that verse and try to make the connection back to Jesus. Because I've tried this dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I've done this with youth who are in junior high and high school. And we've looked at this and we said, okay, does every verse in the Bible actually point to Jesus? Because that's a bold claim. The Bible's a thick book. Does it actually all point back to Jesus? I have never found a verse where I could not make a correlation back to Christ his sacrifice on the cross, and the righteousness that he gives us. That's an exciting truth, right? So now I've got to find my spot again. Because I have more things I want to talk about here, about this Proverbs 4.18 passage. But I think just the idea, considering that there is a path, there is a way in which the righteous are meant to walk, that's something important that uh, sometimes we read a verse quickly and, and we can just blow past these little things. So the path of the righteous. So the rest of this verse has more of an explanation about what the path of the righteous looks like, what their journey is supposed to be like. So the path of the righteous is like the morning sun. Let's just start with that, okay? The morning sun. The morning sun, is that the brightest part of the day? I don't know if you've grown up in North Dakota, 
but you can see the horizons where we live, right? So I'm going to ask this question again. You should be able to answer this, I think. Is the morning sun the brightest part of the day? No, of course not, right? It's like, it's just barely, it's like a sliver. It's just peeking up, right? It's glorious. It's majestic. But the hottest, brightest part of the day is, I mean, with daylight savings, it's kind of like two or three in the afternoon, right? It's hot then. The sun is at its fullest. So the morning sun, what is that all about? The path of the righteous is like the morning sun. You know, I remember when I was a speaker at, um, at a Bible camp in Manitoba, my family and I had gone there, I think, four out of six years and uh, one morning, there was a counselor there who announced at chapel the previous night. She said, hey, tomorrow morning, the sun rises at 5.30. Let's all head out to the shoreline and watch it rise over the lake. And there were like three of us that showed up because that's pretty early for some of those campers. But, you know, it was one of the first times in my life I had actually stopped and intentionally watched what the sunrise looked like. So we're looking across this lake. Camp, it's called Lake Nudimic, and on the other side of the lake, there's some hills, and there's a lot of uh, pine trees, because that's kind of what the, the boreal forest of, of Manitoba looks like. And as, as we watched and we looked for where the sun was going to come up, it started to just, you could tell, it was peeking over the horizon, because there was some like gentle light shining in the sky. But it was a hint. We couldn't actually see the sun. It was just a hint that the sun was still rising. And then we had to look down and find it through the trees. And it started to like pierce through the trees. No matter how thick these trees were, if there was like one little ray of light that wanted to break through, it could because the light is bright. And we could see it. So the, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun. And I believe this. It shines brightly. It's not at its brightest, but it absolutely pierces through the darkness, right? So like, think about your relationship with Christ. When you got to know him at first, when you first heard the truth that, that God loves you, that he sent his son to die for you so that you could receive forgiveness for your sins, wasn't that like the greatest news that you had ever heard? And maybe it didn't happen the first time or the second time or the third or the fourth, but eventually there was something in you that said, oh man, I want that. That actually makes so much more sense to me than anything else I've had in my life. So the righteousness of God invades our life. It, it convicts us and inspires us. And then we, the path of the righteous, we the righteous, we become like the morning sun. And all of a sudden, the glory of Jesus that he shines into our life, we begin to reflect it. Not perfectly, not clearly. We can't see all the aspects of it, but it starts to break through in our life. And it shines all around and we can begin to see like the righteousness of God. Now we compare it to the way that we live our lives. That's a healthy comparison. Not us one to another, but, but God to us. It's like, oh Lord, you did this for me. Here are your perfect ways. And here's everything else in my life, the way that I have been living. I see a difference in what you're asking me to live for versus what I have been living for. And these rays of light start to pierce through the darkness. And it's like, oh... I understand now that there's a change that you want to make in me. I see the difference between you and me, Jesus, and your way, your path, is much more appealing than anything I've ever been on. I think that's one of the first things that we need to understand when we talk about the path of the righteous being like the morning sun. It begins change in us. And then it says, it shines ever brighter. 
So one of my favorite analogies that I've, I've talked about when we're walking with God, when we're on this path pursuing righteousness, I've talked about this before, but it's, it's this whole escalator analogy. We, my brother and I, we would always, my parents would drag us into Winnipeg once in a while, and my sister would never do this because she was way too wise. So my brother and I, we would, we would wait till no one was around at the escalators at the Polo Park Shopping Center in Winnipeg. And we would wait till there was no one coming down the one that brought you from the second level down to the first. So this escalator is moving down, and then we would try to race up the escalator that's moving you down. Because it's like running three flights of stairs in one, right? So we're just trucking up this thing. We're running as hard as we can, not really moving that fast. But that's kind of what we loved about going there. So the escalator analogy is this. In our life with Christ, I think that there's so many things that are working against us, so many ways of unrighteousness in this world that stand right along the path of righteousness. They're pulling at us. They're clawing at us. They're trying to move us in the wrong direction. They're kind of like an escalator that moves down that we're trying to walk up. So as we pursue righteousness, as we're meant to shine ever brighter, we can't stop moving. We must continue to shine ever brighter, more righteousness, more truth, more pursuit of who Christ is and everything that he has for us. Because imagine if we said, hey, I'm saved. Jesus has shone his light on me, and that's good enough. And then we stood still the rest of our lives. Is this world going to say, oh, they're saved. I guess there's nothing we can do. They're good to go now. Well, that can't change. No one can ever pluck us out of God's hand, it says in Scripture. But they can certainly make us as filthy and unrighteous as anyone else on this earth. So that's why we need to shine ever brighter. Righteousness is not a standstill understanding. It's not something that we have obtained here on earth and we can say, okay, we're good to go. But it's, it's something where we need to keep going and shine ever brighter. So like... Let's think about this together for a moment, friends. I need your help here because I have nothing prepared, right? Let's remember that. If we're supposed to shine ever brighter, if we're supposed to grow in righteousness, what does that look like? Does anyone have any ideas about how we are meant to increase in righteousness as we walk through this life here on earth? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Spending time in the Word. Now, why would you say that, Holly? I, I, not that I disagree, but that's how you get to know Jesus. And is, is following Jesus all about Jesus? I think so. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you have made a very logical point for us. Thank you. We spend time in, in God's word because we want to know him. And following Jesus is all about Jesus. So this is where we go to learn more about the righteous life that he desires for us. Very good. Anything else? What else can we do besides reading the Bible to grow in righteousness? What do you think? Holly, first year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boasting. Like re- reminding ourselves of the good things that God has done for us, right? Because if we know what he's done, we're going to want to continue to live in those things and grow in those things. I think that makes sense. Thanks, Kathy. Sharon. I think um, that we get more of Jesus and less of me. Mm-hmm. So to increase, you know, like my will, I, I want to get mad. Yeah. Jesus never got mad, so I need to follow in his ways. Yeah. Yeah. John the Baptist said, right, like Jesus must increase and I must decrease, right? And, and Christ said, if you're going to follow me on my path, you must be willing to pick up your cross die to yourself, which means deny who we are, deny what we want, and follow him. So let's take that a step further, because I really like that thought. 
how do we deny ourselves so that we can then insist on pursuing the righteousness of Christ? What does that even look like? Because I think it's worth it, but that's not an easy thing to do all the time. I think it goes back to being in the Word. So the Word is our guide. Mm -hmm. And so then when a situation, any situation, get up in the morning, we have a choice. Yeah. Are we going to follow the Word or are we going to get south and stay in bed? Yeah. And yeah, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path, right? So again, this path of righteousness, God's word is what shines. If you are turning somewhere where the word of God is not shining light on your path, then you know that that's probably not a righteous place. Is, is that a safe assumption, friends? It's, it's so interesting that all these things start to tie in together. You know, another thing too about, about choosing to deny self and follow Christ makes me think about, about David after he... He sinned with Bathsheba. His prayer was, search my heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, right? Renew a right spirit within me. I think there are times where we're going to accidentally realize, man, I have one foot maybe on this path of righteousness, but I have one foot on this unrighteous path. Man, I actually don't want to be here, so I need Jesus. Would you please forgive me for embarking on this journey? That's obviously not you, and I realize it now. I want to get back to where you want me to be. And Christ forgives, right? It says in 1 John 1 verse 9 that, that Christ is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's good. So when we deny self, when we, when we take an evaluation of our lives and, and, and choose that path of righteousness, it t- it's a means like learning about the word, having that shine in our life, and also denying and, and asking for forgiveness from the things that have taken us on the wrong path. Anyone else? I just want to give someone else a chance if, if you have something to think about. Kent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it's scary. Would you agree, Kent? Like, I'm, 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 I'm terrified this morning, actually, because I, I'm good at trusting in preparation in my notes, and it's like, if I get lost, I can just go back here and start reading again. It's like we find ourselves. So trusting God is not easy. It's, it's a step of faith, right? Uh, a church that I've been connected to in my past, they, they had this simple phrase that they would teach their people, and I've, I've repeated it here, but... It's, they say, listen, trust, and obey. And I think like, it's actually so simple, but if we follow that moniker in our lives, it's so profound. When we listen to what Christ says, it might be through the Bible. It might be through our times of prayer and seeking his counsel. It might be through listening to a pastor speak a message. It might be listening for advice from a godly friend. When we hear what God says, hey, this is my path of righteousness. And then we have a moment, so like, like you said, wow. That sounds pretty good. I, I think I can trust that. Or it's like, Lord, are you sure? Like, I've never been on that path before, so I don't even know. Like, do I trust you for that? That's something that I've never tried. Yeah, we listen. We believe that God is, is doing good for us, right? He has, the, he has our good in mind for those who love him, right? And are called by his name. So we listen. We trust the path that he is leading us on. And then it's up to us to take that first step and walk in obedience. And then I think, yeah, I think we are choosing righteousness at that moment. And, we're, and that's, as the more consistently we do those things, that's how righteousness increases, right? So, like, imagine if someone said, oh, all these practices are wonderful, and tomorrow they did them all, and then from Tuesday till next Sunday, they never did any of them. Yeah, yeah okay, that's, that's a good start, but, 
The, the intent of being someone who follows this path of righteousness, who chooses righteousness, is that we shine ever brighter. So ever brighter means continually or more and more bright. So I want to I pursue these things every day in my life. Because I just don't think there's a day that we can waste first of all. And I don't think there's a day that I want to waste first of all. Have you ever looked back at a day? Like, I mean, we all have these days, whether we're teenagers or adults. And it's like, man, I'm sleeping in today. I'm just wearing sweats all day. I'm going to lounge around the house. Yeah, the lawn could use mowing. Yeah, I could go and help this neighbor with that. Yeah, I could do this. But whatever, I'm just going to take a day for me. It's okay to rest. Let's not, let's not get, get beside the point because Christ, he gave us the Sabbath. But have you ever looked back at a day and, and thought to yourself, man, I absolutely did nothing. I've, I've had those days and I look back and I think, Ugh, that was actually kind of gross. And I don't think I want to do that again tomorrow. I think that's a call for righteousness. I think that's Christ speaking to us and saying, that's fine, but I want you to learn from this because these kinds of days are not what I have created you for. And you don't receive joy from this kind of a life. So that's just kind of what I think about too with this ever brighter thing. I think it's so consistent that shining ever brighter in righteousness is a daily thing. So finally, uh, Proverbs 4.18 ends. Uh, Let's read the whole thing one last time. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. So when I see full light of day, that to me is the goal. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel kind of a thing. What does shining ever brighter until we reach the full light of day mean? I think what the full light of day is, it's, it's finally perfect righteousness in the presence of God. I don't think that we're going to obtain perfect righteousness or complete righteousness as far as our living goes and our decisions goes here on earth. Like Christ has made us perfectly righteous in his forgiveness for us, but I still don't live perfectly righteous. But that's the path that I'm on, and that's the path that we need to be on as a church, right? So imagine this is the goal. I mean, we've talked about, we've talked about this whole idea lots of times, thinking about heaven, uh, setting our eyes on Christ, not fixing our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We don't see the end result yet because we're not there. But that's what we're working towards. So this whole idea here of, of pressing on being on this path, choosing it, like shining, like making sure that Christ has shone into our lives and we're beginning to reflect Him, shining like that morning sun. And then each day shining ever brighter. The goal for all that is that one day, you and I, friends, we are going to shine like the full brightness of day in eternity with God. And we're going to say all of that righteous living that we tried to pursue to the best of our ability, relying on the grace and the power of God here on earth, we're going to say it was worth it, right? No one's ever going to look back, I think, and say, man, I pursued Christ with my whole heart. And now here I am in heaven and it's just not all it was cracked up to be. (laughs) I just don't think so. I think we're going to be so satisfied to say, oh, Jesus, thank you that you made me righteous here in this earth. And thank you that you called me to live in righteousness for you. I see that it's all worth it now. And I am in absolute stunning bliss living in the full righteousness that you have granted me here in your presence. I think we're going to end there. Let me pray and then we're going to get into uh, communion here for just a moment. Father, I like this. 
I'm not about to say, Jesus, that I want to do this every Sunday. (laughs) But Lord, I like this. I like that your words speak so loud and clear to us. Thank you, Jesus, for your righteousness that shines into our life. And that you have made us clean when we were unclean. That you made us forgiven when we were marked by sin. Thank you that you have called us to seek your righteousness. And that there's a path for righteous people to walk on. And that we're meant to reflect your righteousness in our lives, shining like the morning sun. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that none of us, this time next week or this time next year, will still just look like the morning sun. We want to shine ever brighter. Help us to look like a a 9 a.m. sun, where there's clearly growth from where we started. Help us to look like a a 10 a.m. sun, where we are pursuing you, Jesus, and everything that you have offered us is the righteousness that we desire in our hearts. Create that desire in us. And I pray that from there we would move on, that we would be like the noonday sun, shining so bright that maybe some people can't even tell, man, is this person living on earth? Or is this just God representing himself to me through this person? Lord, we just want to live so close to what you have for us that when we move into heaven one day, it's actually not going to feel like a massive change but it's going to feel like the most natural transition possible because we've been shining as brightly as we could here. And finally, we'll shine in utter brilliance in your righteousness and in our complete righteousness in your presence in heaven. Amen.